Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. This is a podcast for those of us who are learning about ADHD, whether you have just started that journey or whether you've been doing it for lots of years. My name is Danae Cannon. I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist. I'm a certified coach. I am a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I do have ADHD myself. So welcome to the Crash Course. We are in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we're going to talk about ADHD and success in college, and specifically about students who are transitioning from high school to a college, a university environment. What are common struggles? How can we support these students? I'm going to start off by saying that this is a transition that sometimes is super difficult for students. Even students that were performing well, meeting expectations in high school, college is a whole new game. And teachers and parents and, and these kids can be confused because maybe they've been taking really rigorous classes and academically they've felt prepared, but it doesn't translate to doing the same thing in college. And I can see where the confusion is because we get blindsided because we're consistently measuring academic success only with grades. So if the students are getting the grades, we assume that they have what they need for the next phase of their lives. And we expect that they'll be ready. But when we're looking at what kids need to be successful in their future professionally and in college, we need to be taking a closer look at executive functioning skills. We aren't looking at that in terms of readiness for school, and this is where it really comes unraveled for a lot of students. And for those of you who are not familiar with executive functioning skills, I have done some episodes um, specifically on those skills, and this topic comes up a lot in my podcast, but these are kind of your get-it-done skills. These are the things that you do to be able to move you towards your goals. Here's the public service announcement that I want to make. You can be wicked smart and struggle is significantly with these skills. Executive functioning skills are independent of intelligence. This is true for a lot of the people I work with. I specialize in working with adults that have a late diagnosis. And that means that this wasn't caught earlier. And that's likely that they have been compensating, whether it was with intelligence or effort or a, a wonderful support system. In some way, they were able to bridge the gap and this impact wasn't super obvious to those around them. And we see this a lot with students that are transitioning to college. All of a sudden, they are entering into this world that, yeah, the academic demand is there, but the executive functioning, the planning things, the organizing things, the making steps towards your goals, it just shoots through the roof and they don't have the support that they had in high school. Often people with ADHD might be labeled as lazy or not living up to their potential, but what they really have is this kind of Swiss cheese effect of abilities that really can confuse people in their lives and even confuse them. Like, I know what I need to do yet, I just can't do it. I can't execute it. When we're young, the adults in our lives basically act as our executive functioning skills. They help us break things down, plan, think about the future, stay with a task that's challenging for us or frustrating, keep track of our things, etc., etc. You know, as kids age, we start to remove some of that. And we expect our kids to do that on their own. I'm going to give you my little laundry example. I stopped doing all of my children's laundries several years ago. And it wasn't because I was thinking about executive functioning skills. It was because I was annoyed. I was in my daughter's bedroom and I saw her trying on clothes. She was old enough to know better. Trying on clothes and just tossing them into her hamper. And I said, oh, uh-huh, that's not dirty. And without skipping a beat, she said, yeah, I know, but I didn't want to have to fold it. And I said, so in order for you not to fold it, you're going to have me lug this downstairs, wash it, dry it, fold it, 
and return it to you folded. And I just got like this blank stare. And that was the day that I decided, you know what? All four of you can do your laundry on your own. And if you have ADHD, I don't need to tell you that doing laundry is like the executive functioning skill Olympics. You know, just using task initiation alone, one of the executive functioning skills. If you're doing laundry, you have to initiate the task like four or five times at least because you're waiting between steps where you put something in the washer, you have to wait for it to wash. You put something in the dryer, you have to wait for it to dry. And so in that time, you have to restart that same task multiple times. So that's leaning on your task initiation working memory, remembering that this is actually in the laundry before it stinks. I can't tell you how many times I have to rewash a load of laundry because I forgot about it and smells, right? It's not clean anymore. And so that's working memory. Another executive functioning skill. We have an executive functioning skill that has to do with like planning and organizing our space. Where do the pants go? Where do the shirts go? Where do socks go? Are there, you know, have I been able to use these skills to come up with homes for things and do I remember them and can I execute this I'll have clients that are just like I have no idea why laundry is so hard for me and I'm like well I have a guess right this is this is actually taxing on things that can be hard for some of us with ADHD another executive functioning skill is just being able to plan and sequence for future you so if all of your clothes are dirty and you want to be someone who wears pants on Monday, then on Sunday, you've got to be thinking about Monday you and Tuesday you and if you're going to have clothes to wear. We expect kids to develop these skills so much that we don't really know to even look for them if they're, if they're impaired. So when you're transitioning to college, all of a sudden you have to do all of these adulting tasks that maybe somebody else helped you with, supported you with, like right, getting your food, making meals, planning meals, um, getting nutrition in, dealing with clothes, having them washed, having them ready, keeping up with your living space, whatever that means to you. That's something that a lot of college students have not done independently before. All of these things are rich in executive functioning skill demand. And so before we even look at the academics, life is changing in ways that really tax these skills. Now we haven't talked about the academics yet, but let's do that. There are so many ways that college can tax these same skills, which might not have been true in high school. You know, when we think about the whole planning ahead aspect of executive functioning skills, which is essentially what they are, you need that constantly in college. Even before you set foot on campus, you need to sign up for classes. And when you're doing that, you should be considering who you are and future you. If you struggle to get up in the morning, then the 8 a.m. class is going to set you up for failure. If you're scheduling back-to-back -back classes, are you going to be able to get to them on time? Do you know where they are on the campus? Do you Will you be able to kind of refresh your focus to be able to sit through a six-hour block of classes? If, if you go to class on some days and not others, what will you do to structure your non-class days? Maybe our college students with ADHD procrastinate this because it's complicated trying to figure this out. It becomes this puzzle that's really hard to solve once you've waited to the last minute or even beyond to register for your classes. So planning ahead there really matters. In fact, one of the college accommodations that you can get is being able to register for classes before the general public. That can be an accommodation. Another change that a lot of students encounter is that they may not be required to go to class. And that sounds like woohoo, really kind of great to, especially when you've had so many decisions made for you throughout high school and in your later teenage years, not going to class sounds like a really good option. What many of us with ADHD find is that lack of external structure, the lack of expectation, the lack of that mandatory aspect can make it hard to be motivated. Uh, a lot of us struggle with that internal motivation. 
So even though we, we crave and even need some flexibility, there is like a balance in the external structure that's going to work for us. And people find that in work settings, professional settings where it's like, okay, just being told to get this to me whenever is often a real problem for people with ADHD that need a little bit of pressure to get going. So people might find that when that external accountability gets lifted, they, they're going to flounder a little bit with motivation. And of course, another aspect of academics is being able to break down long-term deadlines when you are younger. This is broken down for you and there's lots of support and structure along the way. So rather than get a deadline for the end product, which you might have and see in a college setting, in high school or you know, especially in the younger years before high school, you're gonna have each step kind of broken down and checkpoints along the way. We're turning in our research this day. We're going to come with our rough drafts this day. We're gonna edit this day. Breaking down and planning and, and allotting enough time and all of that is done for you as a younger student. And then suddenly the expectation is that you know how to do that for yourself. That's a big assumption when you have somebody who struggles with exactly these kind of skills. So I've done a lot of talking about what's hard and why it's hard and why the fact that a lot of kids with ADHD struggle when they transition, when they go from a high school environment to a college environment is not that surprising. There are a lot of different areas where they're vulnerable. And so what can you do about that if you are in the transition yourself as a college student? What can you do about that if you're a teacher or a parent who's supporting college-bound kids? Number one is create some sort of daily routine, daily schedule that takes care of your basic needs. These things really fall by the wayside when we're stressed or when life is kind of chaotic, like a lot of times it is in college. And so people start to lack sleep. They start to lack like proper nutrition. And so making sure those things are taken care of. And usually that means having kind of a, a daily routine, a daily schedule where you know, I am waking up by this certain time. I am eating food roughly around these times. I'm going to sleep at this range of times. It really matters. I talk to a lot of college students who have super disrupted sleep and it makes a big impact on them functionally. And so we want sleep to be one of the first things that you attack if you are looking at a schedule and looking at getting some normalcy with your daily schedule. Speaking of schedules, number two is really be thoughtful and plan your schedule wisely. If you can avoid back-to-back -back classes, that's a good idea. If you um, are having a hard time figuring out how this all fits together, it, imagine yourself walking through this day. Do you have enough time to get to classes? Um, you know, sometimes it can be pretty far away in a college campus. Do you have time to do that? Do you have time to rest to actually process what you're learning? Are you just slamming this back? That might not be the best approach. So you want a schedule that is conducive to the way you learn. Like I said before, not signing up for the really early morning class. If you're not going to make it to class, it's going to be one more barrier for you being able to get done what you need to do. Number three is if you don't already have a system, get a system for planning your time and planning your assignments. It does not matter. There's no one ADHD super friendly way of doing this. If you're a digital person, make it digital. If you're a you know pen and paper person, have a paper planner. It can be a whiteboard. It could be, I don't know, a stone and chisel. It doesn't matter. What you need is a system for keeping track of what you have to do and where you have to be 
and a habit for checking it. A lot of times people with ADHD are on this hunt for the perfect system and they don't develop the habit around checking whatever system they pick. And so no, nothing's going to work if you're not using it. And a lot of times we just forget, we forget to use it. So it's really, really helpful to develop habits around your planning system, that some way that you are keeping track of assignments, keeping track of appointments and checking it, you know, hopefully multiple times a day, definitely morning and night, like how you need to be able to probably see the whole week in view to know what you have coming if you have a test on Friday hopefully you've already broken down what you need to do step by step but at least you can look at that whole week in view and see oh yeah that's coming up versus oh it's Thursday right that may cut it in high school for a lot of people in college is where that really starts to change for those who are able to just cram the night before a lot of times it's just not crammable material you know you're going to plan backwards to figure out what steps you need to finish a long-term assignment or to appropriately study for an exam the next number which I don't remember what number we're on but it doesn't matter the next one is to make sure that you have access to medical care and specifically mental health care if you have ADHD medication, how are you getting that? When are you taking that? Are you studying at times when that is most effective for you with your medication? Uh, if you have a student who is going off to school and is taking ADHD medication, you might want to have the discussion about the possibility of someone asking to share their medication. This happens a lot on college campuses. So being prepared with how they're going to handle that and um, knowing the legal ramifications and ethical ramifications, and just being really clear on the responsibility of managing that kind of prescription medication responsibly and, and legally. You don't want them put in that situation by surprise and taken off guard. And number five, if you have access to student disability services, use it. A lot of kids who've had a 504 throughout high school don't try to access these services right when they probably need them most. So check in with those services at your university. There's all kinds of things that they offer. Each school is different. Each um, situation is different as far as what you can access. I mentioned you might be able to register for classes early. Things like extended test taking time, being able to take breaks, private testing rooms, being allowed to record lectures, or even having a note taker or access to the professor's notes. Having extended time for assignments. Now, there's a caveat here, right? Like I had a student today tell me the funniest thing. She said, these ex excessive extensions do not help my motivation. And so she had professors that are working with her and kind of gave her these unlimited extensions. Sometimes I can even make it harder to break things down and get things done. So you may need those. You may need to take advantage of them. Uh, pay attention to if they actually work for you or helpful for you, or if they just kind of kick the can down the road and, and it's not helpful for you. There's no one size fits all. These are all different accommodations that could be possible when you access disability services. So like everything I talk about, this is just kind of scratching the surface. We haven't even gone into study skills and specific things for actually studying and how you break that down, how you attack that in a way that's friendly for your brain. That's probably another episode. But even though it wasn't a super deep dive in any one area, and we kind of did a sampling of what can go wrong and how we can help, I think it starts a really important conversation that these assumptions that kids are ready, these assumptions that kids are going to be successful without any additional support planning help, that can be a faulty assumption. We want to take a deeper look. 
not just the academic skills, of course, we're looking at that too. We're looking at the ability to navigate their academic world. But at this age and with this transition, they're navigating a lot more. So that brings me to the end of this episode of ADHD Crash Course on setting up your students for college success. Thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, if it's helpful, please, there's a couple of things that you can do that'll help me continue to make it. Number one, share, pass it along. If there's someone that you think this will help, share it with them. Number two is rate and review the podcast. Whatever platform, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to it, you can rate it there. And number three, feel free to reach out to me. If you have an idea for a topic, if you have a speaker that you think might be a really good fit for the podcast, please reach out to me. I'm easy to contact www.theadhdclaritycoach.com. You can contact me there. I would love to hear from you.